Welcome. My name is Doug Simcox, and I am going to be the host of this today, and we've got a wonderful crew sitting here with me. Um, I'm going to call it a cowboy roundtable, stock contractor roundtable. Uh, and Sam and I are here, my co-hosts. We are riding for the brand BTC, Beyond the Shoots. And we'd like to thank Parasite Systems for bringing us this episode. It's Thursday, September 14th, 2023. Sam and I are on the road again. Actually, we're still on the road up here at the St. Tiet Western Festival, uh, 55th anniversary. And we are recording here in the St. Tiet uh, studio. Jacob is our producer. Guys, great to have you with us. Let me let me start down the row here, if I can. BJ, welcome, BJ Prince. Thank you, Doug. Good to have you with us here this morning. And Sylvain Bourgeois, of course, he is, he is the director of the Festival Western St. Tite. And, of course, my co-host, Sam Swearingen, is sitting right here with us today. I got to tell you, what a great rodeo last night. We had so much fun. Great to be behind the scenes, beyond the shoots, if you will. What did you think of last night's performance? It ran pretty smooth, I thought. Like, uh, we ran a rodeo under, I think it was under 2 hour and 15, and that's our goal, to be able to uh, to be under 2.15, because practicing for the weekend coming up, where we're, we will have, like, three perfs in the same day, one at 1, one at 8, and another one at 11.30, the PBR. The PBR. So we need to be, like, rolling into it pretty quick, so we... Uh, we uh, after like it was our fifth perf yesterday, so the crew has been like uh, used to uh, to uh, the production here and uh, everything rolling smooth. Good crowd. Great crowd last night. Great energy. Um, I got to admit, I haven't been up here since 2000, so 23 years later I'm here. The energy is great. The facility looks great. I'm impressed with the technology and everything it takes to put on this rodeo. What's a pre-rodeo production plan look like? You got eight people up there with all these moving parts between lasers and pyro, music, of course your announcers. What's it look like? It's, it's French. It's, it's French. French. Okay. With, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then about half of the crew is English. Yeah. So, um, but everybody's been here for a few years. Like, nobody's their first year this year. Uh, there's moving parts. There's, like, the stock, like, which is, like, the biggest part of this rodeo is moving the stock from uh, the bottom of the hill to the middle of the arena in uh, a flood of people in the streets. And then we got the production crew here, which music, uh, uh, projection, pyro, uh, sound, light system. And then everybody that works in the arena to make sure every contestant has an equal chance uh, on the ground and sec secure for all the animals that's going to perform in the arena. Yeah. And and what a coordination, you know, in between the, the rough stock riding, the timed events, and of course the Jim Canna events like the rescue race and the exchange exchange race, the, the crowd or the crew, I should say, getting the pads up and off the chute gates. I mean, like clockwork, these guys just work together so well. How long has it taken for you guys to get that kind of coordination put together? Been here for 28 years. Uh, it took me about three years to figure out I was not able to do that by myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can do uh, any of it. You can't do all of it. No, it takes a team to run something like this. And then I put a team together. Like uh, right after two, three years, we started like to realize we needed more people. 
And then over the years, we've had like different people like moving parts, changing. But we've been working with pretty much the same crew for about at least 15 years, like the, the most important parts anyway. So everybody kind of know what they're they're coming into when they get in town. Everybody gets ready. And all I have to do really is like uh, make sure uh, we're online with the plan. Yeah. 11 performances this year, right? Typically 10. Um, and I'm understanding on the fifth year anniversary, so this being the 55th, you have 11th performance, which is Saturday night. We're going to get into that in just a bit. But I want to go back a bit to the to the past. 1995, you get the call, you take over for the rodeo. Uh, we're, we're talking 10 performances, 11 performances this year. How many performances that first year when you took over? Uh, before me, there was two, and the first year I took over, uh, I I jumped, <laughs> I jumped at four. You doubled it. Yeah, I doubled it the first year. Uh, didn't fill those perfs like uh, the first few years. It took took about four years to fill those four 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 perf, and then uh, after four years, I said we should do something the first weekend, which was the first weekend before it was only the parade and uh, concert. The committee didn't really believe it could work because they thought it was a different crowd. So we started two perf the first weekend. It took another two, three years before we filled them. And then we just kept adding perf until we had like 10. It took about 11 years. Yeah. Wednesday night, crowd is full. That's pretty darn impressive. Um, to our stock contractors that are here, Sam and, and BJ, what's it like behind the scenes? Sam, you were here when he took over in 1995. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I was here. I was riding and bringing stock. And the biggest thing is before, when we first started coming, they changed every year the rodeo organizer or <clears throat> the producer. And once Sylvain got in there and they took to the changes and seen it was better, what, what a good thing that you don't have to restart the engine every year. Yeah, and absolutely. It, it just... Uh, his vision for what to do with the stock and where to put it. Uh, yeah, the first year I brought stock here, they fed behind the bleachers and let them out the far end. So when you turned the horse out, they ran to that corner where they're going out back to get fed. And well, I said, now what's going on? And yeah, everything got turned around and it, it's Really a great facility for the livestock. You bet. You bet. And BJ, you have a lot to do with the stock and what gets put into a pen for a given evening and all the various stock contractors that are that are bringing stock here. How many Bronx do you have on site? How many different contractors? How do you choose them? Yeah, we've done it a lot of different ways. Like Sam says, uh, I remember the first time I came here with stock was with him and we were rolling round bales out in the mud uh, by hand and uh, you know a lot of changes have happened since then a lot of you know positive changes both for the contestants but mostly for the livestock I'm with Sam if there was one change that's evident is like the growth in that end um, at that time there was a few local contractors involved with the event and Sam was I believe at that time the only American stock contractor that that was involved they had Sylvan and Sam had a relationship and a respect for one another and Sam agreed to come across with some horses and bulls and I worked with Sam at the time at, well, 
I was young, and uh, he brought me along to, to help with feeding and and with the livestock and um, and <laughs> and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was inexperienced. But now, yeah, now we have uh, eleven different contractors. They come from all over Canada and some from the United States as well. Right, uh, right out to Alberta and uh, Saskatchewan and New York and and Ontario and Quebec. So there's there's uh, some fantastic livestock that's been assembled for this event. And when it comes to choosing them, we kind of sit down as a collective group and uh, we talk about which ones we think will fit the short round and uh, talk about which ones we think will, will work for the PBR. And then we work backwards and try to make it easy on the guys that are sorting stock uh, each day. So last night we brought up, you know, two contractors in the horse riding and one in the bull riding and it'll be a different two tonight and, and so on and so forth until we get to the short round or that busy Saturday that Sylvan alluded to where... It'll be pretty jam full with everybody. Yeah, and and in addition to the stock, you you made a connection with Western Canada right off the bat with Calgary, and got involved with them so very early on. Yeah, my first year, I think it was the first guy that I called at the time was like Calgary Stampede, and I talked to Winston Bruce at the time, but it took like uh, I think it took us like. 15 years before before they agreed to come here with stock, which is like the first year they came was like the 40th anniversary. Uh, that was the first year they came with stock. But uh, before that, we had different contractors from the West bringing uh, bulls and horses to like Stan Witherly. Uh, we had like Outlaw, Bruce, Bruce Sandstrom, Wayne Volt, Wayne Volt like... Uh, People that I knew from my riding out there, like, and then made connection with them. And over the years, we uh, we we worked with people. We, like right now, we've worked with a group of people who've been working for at least ten years each. So we can, we when we talk about bringing a horse here, they know exactly what it takes in this arena. Yeah, and it's kind of like morphed from there, right? That, that relationship with Calgary wasn't just on a livestock basis, but there was collaboration around animal welfare and different rule changes and things like that that were brought in and a lot of communication, um, you know, about how we can better the sport and how we can make for a better experience for the livestock and cowboys. And then, um, you know, guy like Dustin Thompson, who has Sylvan has developed a really strong relationship with over the years. He's been a contractor here for a number of years. He's also working with Calgary, so you know he helps manage their livestock uh, when they're not here as well. So yeah, and how has that connection influenced the the style of your show? What 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 have you picked up there that you said I want to bring this here? When I was riding, I I always was like like intrigued by pr production. Like every contractor at the time, like uh, had this own production. You went to Sam's Rodeo, like with the Flag Girls and. Uh, you went to Wayne Martin, and then I, when I traveled out west, we went. To, I went to all those big rodeo in Washington, Montana. Every everybody had his own style, and then some of those contractors at the time were try, were starting to bring rock and roll music into the rodeo world. Okay. Before we had brass band in the corners, uh, uh, that makes us a little. No, oh. say, oh, that's great. <laughs> older, but anyway, rock and roll music was starting to come in, and then I, uh, I had my own vision on how I thought people would would enjoy more rodeos, especially in this province, since it's uh, it's 
it was not like a well-known sport at the time i think now it's ingrained in our culture i think rodeo is like growing in this province and it's been growing for the last uh, 40 years now uh, but bringing like that new music and lights and better entertainment for the, the public i think uh, right at the get-go I, I i had it in my head how i wanted to do it i tried different stuff over the years not everything worked mm-hmm. but uh, we tried to bring something new every year to this event and make it better for entertaining the public. For entertaining the public, absolutely. And last night, that's very, very apparent. Um, and you brought talent from the uh, from the West, bullfighters, pickup men. Talk a little bit about them and how, how important they've been in improving the quality of things for you. Right there, like right in the first few years, I started bringing like uh, bullfighters from from uh, from the states and pickup men from the states. There's a um, a man that was working for Sam at the time, uh, Rob Wright. Rob Wright came here for about like ten or fifteen years, and then bringing the stock contractor from the west. Of course, they wanted to have their own guys, so we uh, we uh, hired a few guys from there, and then that one of the brother came the first year. And then, and then I got the pair, the, the, the twins, the Resh, the Resh boys, and they've been here for over like 15 years, I think. Oh, wow. All together. Yeah. Um, Jason uh, kind of left uh, this rodeo for about five years, I think, when I brought like the ranch manager of the Calgary Stampede for about four or five years. Tyler Kraft was here. Um, important for the production to have like the best of the best in the arena. Like the pickup man is kind of the most important part of this rodeo the way this arena is built the where the outgate is uh, with the lights and the sun during the day and the darkness in the alley there you need like uh, the best and i think i've got the best uh, pickup men right now and it helps a lot with uh, the production and the time frame we have to put in this event yeah and and the competitors you have so many competitors what's your total count this year 630 over the both weekends 630 how do you manage all that logistically i know you got slack you got you you limit to performance how are you managing all these cowboys and cowgirls well nancy is a secretary in the office and michelle works from uh, home and between the two of them they uh, they give us all the tools and paperwork we need to uh, to get really close to not screwing it up and then uh, and then we solve problems on the day. But uh, yeah. it's a great association. There's a lot of moving parts. You have the IPRA with the Rodeo Cowboys. You have a Jim Canna, which is a huge part of this. We have men's barrels, youth barrels, pickup exchange race, and Pony Express, which are, uh, are common events at uh, Sylvan's Rodeos in Quebec, but they're not real common rodeos outside of it. It's mm-hmm. part of the you know Quebec heritage events that we spoke about earlier. Um, but yeah, it's uh, there's lots of horses, there's lots of stalls. The camping down there is really accommodating for them, and uh, yeah, they move up from that campground and stalling area for the performance. They uh, they compete and then they move back down there. But in order to do that, we've had to close roads, make them for horse access only, so that cars and people and horses aren't, you know, we'll try to keep as far a distance as we can from each other for safety reasons. But Yep, there's a hospitality room, there's check-in, there's um, there's two check-ins, there's warm-up every day. So there's, there's a great team assembled behind the scenes that do a fantastic job of keeping those contestants, um, you know, 
ready to compete, and uh, and the hospitality is tremendous. So. Yeah. And if I may, Doug, yeah. uh, with the contestants, with rodeos this size, you know, all the big rodeos across country, they're they're a real pain for the contestants because you're going from a long ways. Whether you're at Cheyenne or Calgary, everything there's so many moving parts, and it makes it tough. So they have to put enough prize money in to make it worth their while to put up with all the stuff. They're not pulled up behind the chutes and uh, unloading their horse and getting ready to go. You know, there's a lot of things they have to do to prepare, but if the prize money's right, you can get the better contestants to put on the show that you want to do. And the prize money this year, guys? There's 25000 in each event over two weekends, um, you know, for, for each event in the, in the rodeo events in the gym canna. A little bit less in, in the breakaway and team roping and youth barrels that are run during the week. But uh, but no, overall, this event's going to pay off pretty close to, you know, half a million dollars, just a shy, shade less than that for the rodeo competitors. And winning the bronc riding, what's it pay? Well, I haven't won the bronc riding. Better to ask Sam or Sylvan. These guys have had more success doing that. <laughs> it pays a lot more than the last time I won it. I'll tell you that much. I was going to say it pays more now, but... Uh, Oh, I think that, uh, you know, a guy that if he kind of sweeps a field, he's, he's probably around that $7,500 mark, Wow! you know, well, in the, in the horse riding or bull riding to win. And well, this, it could be a different asset, but when last time I left here, um, the guy from Oklahoma, the rides Bronx, he, he basically swept the whole thing. And when I, at duty free, he was cashing his money and it was over. 13,000. Oh, wow. So, oh, wow. you know, whether yeah. the format's different, yeah. but, yeah. uh, yeah. No, that sounds about right. Like, you know, 7,500 each weekend ah. if you sweat the field. So it'd be about 15,000, you know, if you, if you ran the gamut, but he was about the last one to do that. Yeah. And I tried to get him to buy me a bottle of rye, but he's no. too cheap for that. He so. wouldn't do that. He wouldn't work. do that. And, and it's two separate rodeos, two separate weeks of rodeo up here with 25,000 each week. Yeah, no, it's it's eleven days of rodeo. Yeah, uh, yeah. The first weekend is uh, the first four performances are what we call a Canada Cup. Yeah. So there's a series of events held in in Canada that Sylvan produces that qualifies the contestants to that weekend. There's twelve contestants that go to it. Um, three are act, three or four come from previous winners like last year's champions and IFR champions and world champions. Uh, there's some that qualify from Western Canada, and then there's eight that qualify through the tour events that Sylvan does. Uh, that particular, uh, the added money there is about 10000 on the first weekend. And then the second weekend has 15000 okay. It starts okay. on the Wednesday, and it runs through the Sunday short round. And in the middle of it, we put a PBR, um, you know, on the Saturday night, which is even more prize money, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and you partnered pretty early, sanctioned pretty early with the IPRA, Sylvan, when you took it over. Talk a little bit about that decision. I think the first year I, I uh, co-sanctioned with the IPRA was like in 98 or 97. Six, six nine, maybe. Uh, no, it was like on, only one or two years I was a co-sanctioned with them. And then in 1999, I went like first sanctioned with the IPRA and uh, been with them since that day. Like, like cause I remember 1999, cause we won like best new rodeo mm -hmm. of the year mm -hmm. uh, with best rodeo of the year, outdoor rodeo of the year. Mm -hmm. And then we've did win, win that title for 20 years in a row. And then it stopped when the COVID came. Okay. Right? 
and then we haven't like uh, applied for that uh, prize again. Oh, you haven't? Well, we like first year during COVID, we did a rodeo, but it was just like a twenty-five hundred dollar, a twenty-five hundred seating in the arena, and then the same added money, not the same contestant. The year after this border, we're still closed. It's uh, actually the first year where the Americans are back at this rodeo. Like, uh, yeah, this is the first year we, where we have no regulation, right? And Quebec was, Quebec had some of the tightest lockdown measures uh, put in place, um, you know, through all of that. And even last year when we were started to have events again, there was still a lot of mandates in place that the volunteers, the committee, the contestants all had to work together to you know, to, in order to even have an event. So this is the first year that it's kind of back to what we call normal. And uh, like Sylvan said, the border's back open and contestants are able to come without being uh, impositioned. Yeah. And that will take a few years, just like your your performances took a few years to build. It'll take a few years for them to realize, okay, it's not any issue. It was the easiest I ever crossed the border was coming up here this time. But also that that border can be very difficult if things aren't just right. But it'll take a little time to get all the contestants come up because their life has changed since COVID. You know, you're looking at things different. You're staying closer to home, and it, it it's going to be a different world. But uh, I'm sure we'll figure out uh, how to draw them back up here and what to do to make. Not that they're not here now, but it, it'll get better. It'll yeah. get better. And for our listeners, uh, how many people are going to come through town? Ten-day event. Town is, village is about 4,000 people. 3,800. 3,800. Yeah. <laughs> and, and during the course of the festival, uh, we usually, um, and I think this year is going to be a little more than that, but we uh, there's about 606, like last time they did a count, it was 600,000 people came through town during the 10 days. Last time they did a count, I think, and, and I think it's more right now. You know, we had a great first weekend. Weather dictates that a lot. Tim McGraw played earlier in the week, so it drew people into town uh, sooner. It looks like the streets are busier than ever. I think that we're probably closer to the 700,000 person wow. mark uh, over the 10 days. And you said weather is a factor, and we all have seen the change in the past 30 years of the falls being much nicer. Yeah. Because... You used to see people in the grandstands all with coats and carrying. Now that's the weather's been beautiful, and it's been like that for ten years or so. Yeah. So that was ninety-five degrees when we arrived. Yeah, and yeah. I've never been here when it was that hot in my life. And uh, when we were setting up, and uh, all the volunteers were, you know, there's six hundred volunteers. We forget to say that when we're talking about the contestants mm-hmm. and hospitality and how to get you know, three quarters of a million people through a town of 4,000, like without those volunteers and without all the hours of preparation that they put in, um, taking care of the cowboys, getting them checked in, showing them where to camp, you know, the sanitation crews that are out there, like it could never, could never happen. But uh, like Sam said, it used to wear parkas when you came up here and, you know, it would snow and there'd be ice on the water troughs when we, uh, when we were feeding horses. And then, uh, and now it's, 95 last week and i think it's down to 80 you know yesterday and stuff like that it it sure does help drive the crowds absolutely and do you guys know the economic impact on the town we're actually the second biggest event in this province after the 
Montreal Grand Prix. Oh, in really? Montreal. F1. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the economic impact out there is like 55 million, and we're second with 48 millions in economic uh, impact. In, in the 10 day event. Yeah, in the 10 day mm-hmm. event. Oh, my goodness. So, what is the infrastructure? We know 600 uh, volunteers. But there's a full-time committee that runs the festival that you work with? How does this go? There's about 20, uh, around 30 employees year-round. Like, really? Oh, full-time we, staff? Yeah, full-time staff. And then we've got like uh, 28 uh, committees, I think, like, like the parade, like the bingo. And then there's all sorts of committee. And then, yes, we do have infrastructure where there's a big board out there like runs like long-term vision yeah and then there's there's another board that's for year yearly like committee and then on all the coordinator that pretty much stay there like a lot of them have been there for years so yeah, yeah. they're just running their own volunteers group and then it is it is a this is like a teamwork for sure. Absolutely. I mean, the buildings, the infrastructure since I was here last, you talk about the hospitality area for the for the competitors and their families. What a great place. We hung out there last night. Um, but this studio, uh, the offices, there's just a bunch that goes on here. The infrastructure is incredible. I would love to sit in a long-term vision meeting. Yeah. Because I, I don't know what it's like, but whatever they've done, they've done it well. And uh, like I said before, Savane's got more vision in the rodeo business than I ever thought of having, you know. And it, you have to move forward or you're backing up. Yeah. And it, it's been, you know, when he moved the buck and shoots from the sage over to the side, what a difference. Yeah. You know, uh, the animals are better. It's a little narrower, but it uh, it, it controls and it they're coming right at the crowd. Yeah. And it's just good, you know, yeah. vision like that that uh, has yeah. turned this rodeo from a two-performance rodeo to 11-performance. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and he'd never, you know, say it, but I noticed it quite a bit is that all of – it's very modular, right? Like there's a volunteer committee, there's a rodeo committee, there's a, you know, stock – there's there's the leadership at those levels, you know, the general manager, Anne-Marie, that's in place in the office is doing a phenomenal job. You know, Sylvan's a rodeo director – He's got his team. They've got we've got a team of guys with the stock that work, you know, seamlessly under you know their leadership group. So, you know, I just think that they've done a really good job of identifying people and put them in key roles, and then developing that team mentality underneath them. Yeah, isn't that cool? That is so exciting to hear collaboration and teamwork. Absolutely, where it needs to go. You guys talked about Tim McGraw coming in. This is this the first year for big? Big name concerts? No. no they've when, had when Alabama, did that start? Big and Rich. Big and Alan Rich. Jackson. Okay. Jackson. Okay. Kenny Rogers was Kenny awesome. Ro- Kenny, Big hit. Kenny yeah. Rogers. Okay. Michelle Wright. Like, over the years, there's been uh, a lot of them. Okay. Johnny Cash. Johnny, Johnny Cash. Cash was yeah. here in the 80s. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one who remembers Johnny Cash, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting, Matt, right? Because the uh, the rodeo is, say, traditionally 10 performances, holds 8,000, you know, 8,500 seats. And so we're like, you know, quick math, you're like, okay, 85, you know, thousand tickets can get sold. Why the heck do the other 700,000 people attend or 600,000 people attend, right? Right, right. But it's all these other, you know, festival atmospheres, the concerts, there's lion dancing, there's shopping, there's live music, there's beer stands on every corner. Like, as you're aware, it's 
it's kind of a Woodstock of rodeo, right? Like you just <laughs> is. you they close down the streets and there's entertainment at every turn, and yeah, uh, and yeah. it goes. Well, it's hard to get breakfast some mornings, but you know, after that, from <laughs> noon till about four in the morning, it's yeah. it's pretty lively place. Yeah, yeah, entertainment, absolutely, and entertainment coming through your rodeo arena. You guys have launched some pretty big careers for a lot of folks that come through here. Um, what was it, 2000, you brought up Ryan Rodriguez? Mm-hmm. Ryan was here for about, about 10, launched, years, 10 years. We're able to, we're, we're able to uh, fortunate enough to have them come through the arena. A lot of those were known commodities, you know, and yeah. we've been fortunate, whether it goes back to the bullfighters that Sylvan alluded to, like Paul Bond Paul sent Bond. a video of him sitting on his stool and, you know, to this day, I don't know if there's a, a a bullfighter that was embraced by a crowd as much as him, eh? Like, he was a showman, and uh, and he really helped a lot of those guys coming after him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but and yeah, Ryan Rodriguez and Robbie Hodgins and Hollywood Cliff Harris. Harris, you know, Brinson, his son now. You know, there's there's been so many, you know, tremendous talents, and that's not even contract acts, John Payne and, you know, uh, mini chuck wagon races and hoop dancers, you know, there's, they're always looking, Sylvan's done a good job of identifying talent and, uh, and they seem to be interested in coming and performing. Absolutely. So Absolutely. It, last, go ahead. Well, it's like last night when, when he came up in the stands to say hi to us. Yeah. And that lady that sat next to me was pushing me, let me, let me add him, let me add him, get a picture with me, get a <laughs> picture with me, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, when Brinson came up I was going to say, with Sorry. who? It must have been Brinson. It wasn't yeah. Sylvan. Yeah. No, she, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no she, she pulled her hat down when Sylvan uh, came by. But no, um, yeah, she, it, and the best thing about Brinson is, just like when you were announcing, they feel the connection. Right. They right. They feel you're ta- he's talking to them directly. That's yeah. why that lady wanted the picture with with him because she felt a connection that he yeah. was there for to entertain her. Do, yeah. Do you think this arena maybe like lends itself pretty good to it? Like we're all up on top of it. They're video. You know, there's no microphone. People don't get that. The clown doesn't. He's not talk. even mic'd up. You know, he's not even mic'd. Right. So <laughs> he has to make that connection. All of them did. Ryan did. Robbie did, Brinson did, Cliff. They all have to make a connection outside of talking. And 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 two things. Number one, that goes back to the old days. Most rodeo clowns weren't even mic'd up, so everything was pantomime or expressions or whatever you want to say. The other thing, he came out, his opening, first into the arena, and he collected the crowd like that. Picked them up. Oh, yeah. my gosh. You know, I think he clapped his hands, and they, they repeated it, and then he stomped his foot. Foot, and then he hollered, and then he stopped both feet, and they responded. And then he sang, "What was the song? Could you, one of you, sing oh, it?" Oh, it's a, it's See, a bad it's French. hockey I song. Don't know, it's so I don't know. I'm it. a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, so I'm not as big a fan yeah. of that chant that he did. But it's a, <laughs> it's very much a French chant. They they do it with the Montreal Canadiens playing their hockey okay. team. And okay. Brinson's identified it and exploited it. Oh my gosh! Ooh. And 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 just amazing how quickly he picked him up and how quickly they responded, and they're there. So from that point forward, wherever he is, and I love that he wears white pants. You always know where he is. You always know where he is, and he just picks it. You know, he'll come to a section and he'll wave, and they'll wave back, and just perfect. So, uh, and then the bull fight, uh, the bull. Manu, yeah, the, we, the bull we haven't even talked bull about jumper. what a talent. Oh my gosh! I put a reel up that on that last night. I should say on my Facebook page. Wonderful, wonderful. Hard to catch because you got to get it just right. But 
Oh, where'd you find him? And this he was found us. He found you. <laughs> oh, you find me. Like they they called me for about three years from uh, from France, and then they wanted to come and jump Mexican bulls at my rodeo, and I'm like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure about that. You're not a big fan. Did I engrave that in your mind? I don't like right. those Mexicans. You can't handle them. I know you engraved them. it in mine. Oh. At, at first, he was trying to sell me the, the whole thing. Like, he needed, like, 15 Mexican bulls, and they were coming, like, as a group. And I just said, um, we have a rodeo, but I'm not sure I want to get into this. And and then finally, he called me. He says, you know what? Like, if you can, if you can find me, like... A couple of Mexican bulls. I will come and show it to you, so you you understand. So the first year he came here, uh, we we didn't give him much money. He was just coming to show us like what he was able to do for one perf. And it was the first Saturday night of the first weekend, I think. And after the perf, he came in my office. Like, so did you like it? I said, are you available for the rest of the week? <laughs> so we went every perf. No, it was. <laughs> it's a second to none for uh, for an act. Like I mean, there's every aspect you want. It's in the act, and then the danger um, is always present. And then we we got to uh, he got he got hooked by a bull one year. He and did, it, and it was bad. Like really oh, wow. bad. Oh wow! So Manu is like, <sighs> and he's and he's a super athlete, right? Like Yo. that's the part that. I mean, obviously, he does somersaults over top of a bull, but he trains like nobody's business. He works at it. He's focused. And uh, even with all that preparation that he did that year, I mean, like Sylvan said, there's innate danger to it. And he did get clipped, right? And and we did lose him for how many months? Like he had. He was out for a year. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Really? Wow. And when I first seen it, it takes a lot for this guy that's been around. (laughs) been at St. Tit since 74 to make sit there and watch it intently. It was like, holy moly, this is incredible what yeah. this guy's doing. Yeah. When he leaps and rolls over their back and you just see one black stripe yeah. da- down his yeah. backbone, you think, how athletic is this guy, you, you know? You it, it, it is something to see. Yeah. That was 10 years ago. 10 years ago he 10 came. 10 years ago. And then uh, he came for a second year. And then he met a girl from town. Yeah. Uh, married her. He got kids now. Lives in town here. He lives in town. Mm-hmm. He lives in moved town. Moved from France. Moved And over. then he, he's been all over North America now. Like okay. every big rodeo has, has had really there. Yeah. So back to my statement, you guys have launched some entertainers out of this rodeo arena. Or we were lucky enough to have them first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Even perfected it here. Contacted right? you, better yet. <laughs> yeah, better yet. Mm-hmm. So shifting a bit behind the scenes, technology. I'm sitting there last night, about behind the announcer. I alluded to this earlier, up behind the announcers. There's three rows of folks sitting on computers. Six, eight people up there. Tell us what they're doing. YouTube, mostly. Facebook. <laughs> YouTube. Are, they, are they texting? That sort of thing? <laughs> I'm on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll talk social they're, media in a bit here. Yeah. The first text, I'm getting paid right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys talked about it earlier. You have, uh, you have the sound crew. You have the lighting crew. You have uh, mics running music up at the very top. Jose's, you know, uh, 
I don't know her official name, but she's a coordinates the show. Calling like, the calls show. Calls the show. Jose's calling the show. And, um, you know, so she's there beside Sylvan, and she's, you know, got everybody on calm, and she's calling the, the deal. Um, then you've got the announcers, you've got the secretaries and timers, and, yeah, everybody's kind of logged in, and then uh, everybody's on calm, and it's when it works, like it has been for the last few years, it looks like one cohesive group, right? And, yeah, um, yeah. Then if some something happened, we don't want anybody to to be aware something happened. <laughs> like, were you aware something happened last night? Yes, I yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I gonna, seen Mike I, in I a was, panic. Oh, up you there. seen Mike? In I was yeah. Doug, Doug we said, "Look at that! Something's wrong yeah, up yeah, there." Yeah, yeah. You know, plugging, unplugging in. It's beyond the shoots, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and we notice those things because yeah. you're looking a little more yeah. into the whole system. You know, we know what they see in the arena is. Is just a minute part of the whole mm -hmm. yeah. wheel. Well, a guy once said, "Every rodeo has problems. A good rodeo is where nobody in the stands knows what those problems were." Right? Yeah, yeah. He happens yeah. to be over there. He's a little <laughs> smug about it, but uh, <laughs> but it's true, right? Like every event has its hiccups. Every every performance has things that happen yeah. um, in that two hours and twenty minutes that uh, that you have to adapt to and. Having uh, having a strong crew and having professionals in those positions allows you to get through those hiccups seamlessly and and still be able to produce a quality show. Yeah, no, it 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 went off great last night. Um, shifting just a little bit, Sam Sam spoke about it. Um, vision. Where are you guys going with this? And and let me just a few takeaways from last night: the music quality, the entertainment <laughs> quality of Brinson, the announcers, uh, Pyro, all aspects of it. The laser show at the beginning. I mean, I've not been to a rodeo other than this that has any of those elements really to the extent that you do. Um, what's next? What do you What are you guys thinking? Where are you headed? You got replays. We're seeing in the industry right now, the PBR's got replays. They're using it to the judging, right, to, to verify rides. Are you seeing that coming in? What are you thinking? I think it's coming. Well, and, um, there's not think. It is coming. It's happening right now at the largest events. We haven't discussed it in too, uh, too much in regards to this event. But uh, as far as vision, yeah, we're... It'll, Short-term vision this year was to have a first annual golf tournament, and uh, oh, you did that! So tell us is, about that. Well, it was pretty <laughs> successful. You it know, was. It was a, yeah. You how much time? In how much time you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, successful just, for just all joking. of you, or four of us? Four of us. Four of you. We're in the tournament. We are yeah, in the yeah. tournament. Oh wait a minute! Tournament with one foursome. Vegas, yeah, four, four. Oh, very four nice. Players. It all starts somewhere, four right? Basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I know there was there was about. Forty guys. Uh, oh, there were forty. Yeah, okay. Ten teams. Okay. Four, yeah. Okay. And best ball. Yeah. And did uh, how'd you guys fare? Did you do okay? I think they used one of my did, balls. They what? Good. I think they used one of my balls. Did they use one of your balls? Uh, yeah. And did. how'd you guys finish up? We won. You won. And who did you hire to be your your ringer? Uh, we, you know, Rory we was our fourth. Uh, no. Just, <laughs> <laughs> was Tiger here? <laughs> no. Too sore. It was Dale Yerrigan, Dustin Thompson, myself, and uh, BJ Prince. Okay. And then we uh, came up on top for the first one. Yeah, and getting back to the... Totally ruined that segment, right? Like, just talking about <laughs> golf, golf and not vision. <laughs> oh, it all starts somewhere. <laughs> I got to get my swing now. Um, but getting back to the vision. And the PBR uses the replay. Yeah. They use it not only 
for what they do, but they use it as an act. I, I'm a firm believer okay. when they put okay. that in there, they okay. get the crowd into it. And you know crowd. what they would do here? Mm. If you did the instant replay at this place, they, you know, because the crowd's into it more than any other rodeo in the world. Yeah. And then if you put that instant replay in and, you know, did he double grab at seven? You know, it. There's a lot of moving it, parts to it, though, right? We see in professional sports, time is one of them. Yeah. You know, um, quality angles is, is another. And, and then the other thing is, is like, you know, traditionally rodeo, we have a lot of confidence in the officials that we put in that arena and under video scrutiny now with the crowd. And I understand what you're saying, but I think there's a lot of things that has to happen in order to, you know, evolve into that video replay. And mm -hmm. some of those things need to be looked at pretty strongly about, you know, time angles, penalties, you know, it's all part of the discussion. I, I think that we'll get there. I think the sport of rodeo will get there. It's really important to get the call right. It's really important to, for the contestants to be rewarded for their performances. Um, but there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, yeah. And, and I couldn't agree more. And But to move it forward, you got to have the talk. For sure. And, yeah, and, and it's happening. And right? it's going to be expensive to do because yeah. there's a lot of camera angles and all that. And it's not going to be perfect the first time, but as it works yeah. forward. And I, I really think the crowd will enjoy it. And, yeah. I, and I don't think it'll be everywhere that, like, that can even pull it off. You know, I right. think that there's a lot of, you know, tour events that that might not be able to have the infrastructure in place, you know, especially early on in order to implement something like that. Is St. Tite does, but I think that some of these other discussions need to happen, and they are happening in order to uh, put it into full implementation. Mm -hmm. WCRA, you know, IPRA, you know, they're doing it at the finals this year. That's a big step. You know, they've committed to doing that uh, early in the year. So excited to see how they implement it as well at a rodeo level, not just a bull riding level, like the PBR is done, and and maybe we can uh, maybe we can learn a few things from that. Yeah, and and the eleventh event. I'm going to switch gears here just a little bit. The eleventh event came in um, on the 45th anniversary, I believe. 40th. What was the 40th, 40th? 40th. And every five years, you have the eleventh event. Correct. And tell us about the very very first event. <laughs> really. Yeah, I think I've been banned to talk about that. Uh, is that is <laughs> you're not able I don't to talk know. about I don't know it? What we're allowed to. No, the first year, like we wanted something different, and it was like a big anniversary year. And they said, "Well, anything, anything you you would think would work here." I said, "Well, I think if we put on a rodeo at midnight, it would work." And then they they all went like, "Oh, it'd be a lot of yeah work." And I said, "I I I know, but I think we can sell out that rodeo." And then they all agreed, and then they embraced my idea. But maybe it was a little too we call it the first year the triple X rodeo. Yeah. And then the crowd really it sounded great when I was 20. I'm like, this is awesome. It's going to be midnight. And there was a lot of younger, like the crowd was way younger that, that first year. And then uh, it went along pretty good. We did sold out the perf and it was a success. Uh, a lot of work for, for the crew that's in place. Non-televised. So, non-televised, non-televised. Yeah. So they okay. they, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they wanted it the, the year after they wanted it. And then that's when I said, no, no, no. We maybe every every anniversary, maybe, but not every year because it, it, it's a lot of work. We just for that, that perf, we need to hire more people. And then we do have to bring more stock to make sure like uh, and we're it's, covered. And it's a lot of extra work for the crew behind the scenes, right? Like you're having 
four full rodeo performances in 36 hours, you know, so for everyone from production down to our livestock superintendents and crew, it's a, it's a, not a lot of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Know, so, yeah. And how do you function during this week? I mean, do you get enough sleep? Do you get in shape to get ready for this? What do you, you just know what's coming, right? Well, I'm all right. Cause I'm like, I'm just about like almost to 60 and five to five hours for me is enough. So I'm good. <laughs> DJ's got a little trouble, like at falling, like in the really morning. require coffee. Like <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, in yeah. the morning, the coffee yeah. needs to be ready. And yeah. Night, like yeah, the coffee's a big part of my life. The later the week goes, yeah. So so, um, sixty, the sixtieth anniversary. You'll be 60 by the 60th? No, I'll be 61 because of COVID. We skipped a year. Oh, did like, you skip? I, did yeah, you skip the year? year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. funny i like that i want to learn how to do that i just want to get to the sixth <laughs> performance on the 60th yeah, like okay, I just... <laughs> okay. Um, let's go let's go away from saint teat for a bit mm -hmm. okay let's talk about your backgrounds where you guys come up through well, i talked about your all competitors of course we know a lot of sam's accomplishments you you started riding seven at 15 I was 15, yeah, 15, yeah. 16. And, uh, and what attracted you to rodeo? How'd you even find it? Oh, my horse was like my dad, my horse. My dad was a horse trainer and then uh, was doing Jim Canner at the time. Like, I've always been around horses. And when I was around 15, I met a guy at high school that was riding bareback, starting to ride bareback horse. And uh, he had a car, so he said, you want to come to the rodeo with me? <laughs> yeah. And I jumped with him, and then I said, well, I want to do that too, so... Uh, I get in the bareback riding for about two years before I realized that it wasn't for me. And then bought a saddles and uh, rode Bronx for about 20 years. 20 years riding Bronx. And and that just progressed for you to become a stock contractor? What happened is like I, I went out west for, for um, six or seven years and then I traveled with a guy out there. When I came back here, uh, got mar married, and I started working for festival in 95. I was yeah, still yeah. competing. Yes. Never competed here while I was a rodeo director, but I was really successful at that rodeo, especially at the end when Sam was like at, at the end of his career. It was easier for us kids to uh, to win this deal. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but 1997, I got married, and I got a phone call from one of my friends out west, and he said, "Where? when are you going to? Come and pick up your wedding gift and i said well, what are you talking about he had a stud for me because he was raising bucking horse out there and i go well i don't know i'll i'll try to make arrangements uh thanks a lot and i thought about it and i called him back i said well might as well buy a few and start something right so did bring i did buy five horses with that stud and that's what pretty much started my stock contracting career because think around 2000 I needed a place to buck those horses and not having any rodeos so I start a production company with uh, Gino Ellery one of mm -hmm. my friends I was mm -hmm. traveling with mm -hmm. and then that's all it's all started and now we run about like 50 50 to 60 horse uh, uh, me and another partner uh, this is uh, how got me started producing rodeo actually and how many rodeos do you put on uh, by yourself Outside of Saint Tate, uh, around ten. Around ten. Around ten, and I, this this is enough for me where I, I am in my life. Like 
10 events a year is enough. It's only summer here because we're in Quebec. So summer is about two months long. So you're busy for two, three months. And then you can go back to shoveling snow and feeding horses. <laughs> no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. And how is how has your experience here influenced your, your uh, stock contract and your production of your rodeos? This rodeo has always been one of my favorite rodeo. But I always thought when I was a contestant, it took forever like it was like a 12 hours rodeo because yeah, they yeah. had like all the events in one rodeo so they had the men's barrel racing pole pole bending like mutton busting bareback riding and then they went to pickup race it was an all-day thing and then i thought like it didn't make sense and i was watching those those people in the seats and they were like kind of moving around like they would leave after two, three hours. And I said, what a waste. Like there is, we could do like three perf in a day and then we'll fill them up. And then uh, this is how I, I, I envisioned it. And then the first year I, I got here, it was like um, general admission, mm -hmm. always been in that general admission. First mm -hmm. year I was here, I said, we need to have like pre-sold pre tickets with yep. seats. And then they didn't think it was a good idea, but I pushed enough and they did it. And the first year we pre-sold like 50 tickets. They weren't really happy with my idea. <laughs> 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 it took a couple of years to- yeah, Not all winners right off the bat, eh? <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, I, now like pretty much like all the seats are sold out before uh, every perf. Like, yeah, yeah. Ahead of time. Yeah. And, and what have you been able to take of this experience to your Quebec rodeos? I mean, you, I mean, this is a, this is way up here, right? Mm -hmm. And what can you do locally? You don't have the, the infrastructure that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Well, he kind of does though. Like a lot of the team members that he has here, oh. they're on the road with those Canada cup qualifiers with him. Like, oh, they are Jose okay. and Anne-Marie and his sound tech and his announcers, like, the secretary and timers, they're the same ones that he uses here are the same ones that he uses on those roads. So that production team is very familiar with each other. Okay, okay. Pays to have a great team. Yesterday we were talking about the logistics of rodeo. Uh, you put on a bunch of rodeos in Ontario, BJ. You'll do some back-to-back -back rodeos, do a rodeo on a, on a Saturday, Friday, Saturday, do a different rodeo at a different location on Sunday. For our listeners, talk a little bit about the logistics of getting a rodeo set up. When they show up, they buy their ticket, they sit in the stands, they see a great production. What goes on behind the scenes that they don't see? I, I think it's the same as, at, you know, I think rodeos in the East are very different than rodeos in the West. Mm -hmm. Rodeos in the East, um, we have to bring all of the infrastructure, the chutes, the penny, and the cowboys, the stock. Um, it's really turnkey as you've talked to Sam because that's where it all kind of that's all where it all began and started and that's the model is you show up with a good crew and set up an arena and you know set up sound and bring in the stock and everybody gets hired in for the weekend and you take care of the the show in the arena and generally you partner with a committee that takes care of putting butts in the seats and um, you know taking care of the crowd so um, but those events start the planning starts in those communities and with those committees you know a year out you know they start planning for the next one the minute their rodeo's done this year they're starting to plan for next year so um yeah there's a lot of work that goes into it and uh and are on the road crews that are producing them you know we do go and produce a lot of events uh in the course of a year but it's those committees that work on their event that make it easy you know we just 
they, they're the ones that do the heavy lifting with the sponsorship, with the maintaining the ground throughout the year, maintaining the grounds throughout the year, selling the tickets, the advertising campaigns. Um, so they do all, they do most of that stuff. And then we just come in on the day and right. produce the event. But it's a big deal to set up the arena. As you said, you bring all the iron in, right? Yeah. You, into yeah. a field or whatever. Yeah, into a, you know, usually into a, you know, an arena that's been, the the dirt's there and some of the infrastructure's there. But yeah, and for the most part, we erect it all. Okay. Shifting to behind the scenes, Sylvan, uh, you talked about a wedding present of a, of a horse. Talk about the breeding programs that you guys have. In the old days, you'd find these broncs at a riding stable and they'd say, hey, nobody can ride. It keeps bucking everybody off. It isn't like that anymore. So what have been your philosophies or what are you looking for in your breeding programs? Where are you headed? Sam, I think it's your turn. You're the elder here. And then we all we all started because of Sam, really, because he, he started way before us. And he's the one to blame for all of it, really. Way before them. You notice how he said way before them? <laughs> you know, and really, this should be Sylvain's because I was just breeding horses, you know. Right ones that bucked, you know, and I tried to get the best I could, but I never really knew the Calgary's program. I never knew, uh, you know, you knew of horses that were outstanding, but you didn't know how to get them. So one day Sylvain said, well, let's go out and buy some horses out west. And we uh, went out there and looked at a bunch of horses from uh, Vern Franklin. Franklin's and some outstanding ones, you know, and I said, okay, we picked out what we wanted. I guess he bucked 20-some head that day for us. And I said, okay, these are the 10 I want. We agreed on a price. I went up there and talked to him. He said, well, he said, if you take one, you take them all. I said, I can't afford them all. I said, my exact words, you could put Kingsway Skull in there, which was a world champion bucking horse, and I said, I couldn't afford them. Yeah. I said, he said, well, pay me on time, and I didn't want to do that. Here's a man in Canada, and I'm in the States. You know? yeah. So we didn't take them. Yeah, yeah. And was that a mistake? Yeah, very well. Could have been, but you, you never know. And then we ended up buying horses from Kessler, which are another huge company out there. Mm -hmm. And they sent them back. So, mm -hmm. um, and that really got me thinking, if you want to do this big, you need to go to the next step. And then I thought, wait a minute, the next step is going to outclass the Cowboys and it's not going to look good for the show. So I had to back up from what I wanted to do and do what was best for the committees that were paying me. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you want that great one, but yeah. it's not going to work if he's in Leicester, New York, and he can't be seen. So uh, now, in my older years, where I don't have to think if I do get back into it somehow, it will be in a big way because then if you got – 10, 15 good ones you can take anywhere you want to go. Or if you don't want to go, you stay home. So it'll be a different avenue now. The world's gotten smaller, though, right? Like with the tech and with being able to go online and people are, you know, we got, there's breeding programs, there's cataloging, mm -hmm. there's, you know, different associations that are now promoting these for charities and things like that. And now that horse that might be born in western New York can be taken to some of these other places and garner the exposure that I don't think existed, you know, when you first started breeding them. Hey, Sam, like it was like right. the world's gotten smaller. And the connection. Yeah. We have 
made connections through the years that will allow me. And Dalen's made a lot of connections that way for me down in Texas and out west. You know, he's opened up the doors where you'd have okay. never walked it through before. But with what BJ's saying, the breeding, you got embryo transfers. You got all this stuff that you didn't have to 30 years ago to get there. And it can, it has made the process 20 years faster. Even wasted DNA. Somebody used to say, oh, that's out of blah, blah, blah. And you're like, really? Well, now you can actually go and check and see what it does go back to. It might surprise you. Oh, that's got, you know, blah, blah, blah in it. And uh, you can follow those breeding lines and lineage you know, right back to the very beginnings. So. Yeah. And you've seen the impact in the arena, right? If you go back 20 years ago, good guys getting on the best horses, what was the average score 20 years ago? If you made a nice, nice ride, what would well, you the say? The only difference, I think, is like the number of good animals. There was, there was, yeah. There was more yeah, of the them. counts like up. If you had 10 horse 20 years ago, there yeah. might have been one or two that were... Yeah. At that level. At yeah. that level. And, but now, like if you got... Ten good horses. There's ten good horses. Yeah, the, yeah. The breeding program really, really working, and the way the horse are bucking now, like it's made it easier for the contestant to showcase their talent. They're more even. They're more in a straight line. More power. More height in their jump. More, more power in their kick. Like it's, it's, it's fun to to watch. Yeah. And what do you have an estimate of what it's added in points for the Bronx? Is it a, a five-point uh, difference over what it was 20 years ago on the scoring I, I, I side? I would say you're probably exactly right because that 17-point to a 19-point horse 20 years ago was a good horse. Now it's a 22-point horse is a good horse. Yeah. And yeah. you're all striving to get that 22 and above. I think and, it's so tough comparing, like, those generations to one another. Like, it's like comparing who was the best hockey player of all time – you know, you can pick the one that's the best in their time, you know, yeah, you, can yeah. pick, you know, but to say so much is different, right? The Cowboys are different. The, the, the number of animals are different. The number of rodeos are different. And, but just, I, I do think that the general consensus is there's more of them, you know, there's, there's more great ones out there now that are identifiable than there were 30 years ago or yeah. 50 years ago. Yeah. And, and what's been the impact on the Cowboys? You said that a better opportunity to showcase their talents, for sure. What are you thinking of this new crop of this generation, I should say? You're all Bronc riders. You're all retired Bronc riders. What are you seeing that's different that these guys are doing? Same as the horse, right? Before, there was like one or two guys that were like, above the other ones. Now, there's like, there's 15 guys entered, like those 15 guys and can really, really ride. Yeah, yeah, such a respect for the guys at the tops of those events, right? You know, when you look at the, I think the bareback stand, you know, bareback riders and bronc riders, like when you look, obviously we're biased, um, you know, it happens in the bull riding too, but when you look at those top 20 guys in the world, it's a pick em, right? Like, yeah. can you imagine trying to break into that group? You better, you know, you better be willing to work at it. You better be willing to go to the gym. You better, you know, train, eat, Get in the right trucks, go to the right rodeos because it's, it's, it's not it's big business now, and and those guys are really, really incredible athletes. In order to ride with them, I think you're going to have to be one of those incredible athletes too. Yeah, and I think us as contractors for ten years ago have cut our own throat 
I think we we wanted to buck them on the young calves and the uh-huh. young horses, and we wanted to see our animals go. Yeah, and that whole crop of that generation has didn't move on. Yeah, now they're looking. You know, when I first took Dale into the high school finals, they had a contractor there that had a bunch of young colts out there. And Carrie called me up there, falling, they're flipping, they're carrying on. And the guy was taking notes, so you know he wasn't. And after that, you don't see that anymore. They really changed it to make it to try to build the contestants and keep them coming. That commodity of contestants. Yeah. And they, that you know, there was about a 10-year stretch where they kind of wiped out that whole herd. And now they're realizing, whoa, wait a minute, we need to build them. Yeah. You know, yeah. get them old horses or young horses that will kick enough to help them learn mm-hmm. and won't hurt them. You know, you're going to get hurt, but try yeah. to avoid it at all costs. Yeah, there's been an evolution of the sport right in that mentality, you know, as far as the contractors very, go, very as far much. as developing cowboys and developing stock and and processing animals so that, you know, you put them in a good position to succeed. I think that there's a there's a general consensus now where you didn't see that before. Yeah. With everybody, yes. Yeah, like it, across it, the board, right? Yeah, like they, they realize even even the people that you're talking about. I don't think they were purposely being malicious. I think that was just the age they lived in. Exactly. And then, but now you see it the other way. That consensus where, hey, we have to develop cowboys. We have to develop stock. Where you know we have to put them in a position to succeed. And now you're seeing uh, you know high school rodeos, junior rodeos, little buck you know little britches and buckaroos, and we're starting them at you know, five years old now instead of at trying to do it at 19 where they might already have another talent or skill set. And, um, yeah, hopefully that pays dividends moving forward. And, and you, then I, I was one of those guys that wanted to take those Colts and, and buck them. But when you got your own family in there doing it and kids that work for you, you, you back up and think. And, I was going to uh, say, you did it, a pretty it, good job of insulating us all. It uh it made a difference because if, eh, eh, you know, you might like the kid, but I want to see what this cold will do. And, uh-huh. uh, it, it, it made a difference. And as it went on, I thought more and more about it. And not that it was perfect, but, you you know, you fed that animal for four years. You yeah. want to see what it'll do. Yeah, you, for sure. You don't want to feed it for five if it's not yeah. going to work. But there's tools that exist now. There's dummies oh, and, yeah. and, you know, of- all that stuff that didn't even exist back then where, you know, yeah. that's what I'm saying about the evolution of it is you had to put a guy, a live body on it you or you had a little sack contraption that somebody had but now there's there's tech involved that it makes it easier to assess those animals to help train them and prepare them for the cowboys and you know the bucking shoots and and there's so much more time put into that now and i think it's better for everybody it's better for the contractors is better for the livestock and it's better for the contestants that are going to be getting on them yeah and what he said was exactly right and he probably doesn't even know he said it prepare them you know prepare the animal before it goes to the rodeo Mm -hmm. yeah i always wanted to take notes that i bucked it 10 times with that dummy before i took him to a live with a live person i see and probably three times with a live person before we went to a rodeo that was a difficult part was getting the live person on them three times. Now it's hard without all the help to even buck, buck them with a dummy because you need five, six guys to do it with the dummy. 
you know, you got to have a shoot help. You got to have out men, got to have pickup men in case something doesn't work right. So it, it's, it's not an easy undertaking, but it sure is a lot of fun that day you do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and as bronc riders, and we're talking about the shift maybe in the mentality of the stock contractors, we've all had our stories of being hassled and harried and, and hustled up in the shoot, come on, come on, come on, by a stock contractor. And it seemed like in the day, it was us against them. It was a contractor. My job is to buck you off. My job is to get in your head, do whatever I can, so I win. You guys all experience that? Mm-hmm. You all have I didn't as much as like when they tell the stories, I probably wouldn't have made it this far. I didn't have the, I don't know if I would have had the heart, but yeah, they, I think that it's changed a lot. You know, they tell those stories about, you know, her, almost borderline harassment, but like we said, that was just a generation that yeah, yeah. those guys lived in. They were trying to give their animals an advantage and get in your head a bit. Um, whereas now we're so, you're so happy to have those guys, you know, come to your events and get quality guys that you're, trying to help them out as much as you can right yeah so. and and you want you want uh, the best performance for your horse with the best cowboy to go win the buckle right yeah, isn't the, that the, the thing enough part is not as exciting yeah. as seeing a guy being 80 85 on your horse like yeah yeah and to your statement bg it was not borderline harassment <laughs> it was harassment <laughs> <laughs> it was harassment so you tried to you know, the young guys, you, you tried to get in their heads a little bit to let them know it's going to be out there. You're yeah. going to see it. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it definitely isn't, you know, our conversation this morning with the, when we were young, it was, everybody was an old grumpy stock contractor. Everybody was old and grumpy. Well, I can see why. <laughs> I was yeah. one of them before I quit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't even know if it would be tolerated like the same way right now, right? It's a different it's a different mm. mentality out there, right? Like from the contestants and stuff is like they're training, they're working at it, they're traveling, they're a commodity. You know, I don't, they just wouldn't come, right? Like they're not going to tolerate that type of treatment, whereas you guys were in a in a generation where there was an abundance of you. So if they, you know, if a couple of guys decide they didn't want to go to that contractor because he was, you know, too much, they didn't really miss him. But now if a truckload decides to skip you because you're too much or because your stock's undesirable yeah. or because of yeah. whatever reason, you know, you're missing out on that known commodity. And I don't think you didn't go ever because he was grumpy and miserable mm -hmm. to you. You still went. Now, you might <clears throat> say, I don't like this man's horses and not go, but that was just the, the, the day of the age. You still right. went, you put up with it and did the best you could. And if you didn't get yelled at, well, you're, you kind of smiled when you got back in the truck, but uh, it was good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of those, those contractors just acting because <clears throat> after the rodeo, you'd go yeah. drink a beer with them, and there's nice, nice enough man, like, yeah. But during the rodeo, like, they're kind of put their put their, their costume of stuck contract, and they were just acting, but it, now, in now the you stress of it. Well, now you see it where they're. They're, you know, sponsoring cowboys, putting their names on their sleeves. You know, it's it's big business, right? Like those guys are the ones vouching for animals to go to the finals and, and you know, bigger rodeos. So, you know, those contestants have a say on what's desirable and what's not. And, and so it's kind of gone complete 180. Now, you know, guys cater to those contestants and they, you know, make sure they're accommodated and, 
and have hospitality areas and you know sponsorship and stuff so it's it's amazing the transition is part of the evolution we talked about yeah and and the word spreads pretty fast these days social media talk about the impact oh, of please. social media on rodeo i mean it's a real life thing right you guys are in it you get reviewed you 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 see the world right what's the impact been where where is this all headed I, we constantly discuss this, as you're aware, like, and, and those of us, there's varying degrees of, of technical, uh, you know, savvy in, in the industry. Um, I think that no matter what, if somebody's going to embrace it, they better have thick skin because it's a double-edged sword. It can help get the word out. It can help showcase livestock. It can, we can celebrate guys' rides. You know, you can watch, you know, uh, Bronc Ride Nation, you can see all the rides at Pendleton, you know, last night and Pialop this weekend and St. Tite on the Wrangler Network. Like, you can follow all of these rides and all of these guys and look at some of these amazing things. Um, the flip side is, is you can also, you know, everybody's a judge. Everyone's, you know, backseat quarterback. There's a yeah. lot of scrutiny behind the scenes. There's a lot of people with maybe not a lot of credibility, you know, commenting on, maybe they do have credibility, but commenting on things or only seeing half pictures and um, I think that if you don't have thick skin and you take all of those opinions and listen to them um, it might not be good for uh, you know might drive up anxiety levels anyways yeah yeah that's yeah I can see that judging I, I couldn't imagine like it's such a it was always a tough job it continues to be a tough job it's it's um, it's in real time and we you know on the social media platforms get to be critics in you know our time right after replay slow motion and i think we're all guilty of it a little bit because we watch it and we're like oh blah, blah, blah. but those guys having to hear those comments and see those things yeah, like the yeah. we thought they had to have thick skin before can you imagine now yeah yeah and you know <coughs> I'll, I'll sit there and be a critic but you get to watch it slow down. You, you know, it, there's no comparison to opening the gate mm -hmm. and and halfing. You got eight seconds of riding, five seconds to put down your score. You know, and is everybody perfect? Well, I thought I was till I was born. <laughs> so it, you know, yeah, it, it's it's so difficult for yeah. And yeah, it's easy to second guess everything in life. Oh, yeah. My gosh, yeah. we we we'd be sitting in a class A, not to not this in a class A studio. In your house, Doug, we'd we'd have a mansion to do this in if I would have known everything after the fact. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. it's difficult. But the positive side is, like I said, we get to learn from what we see on there. We can celebrate the good rides. We can appreciate the you know guys riding and on the road and some of the behind the scenes stories that people don't get to see outside of, you know, our sport. So there is a positive side. I just think that, you know, when it comes to critiquing and some of those negative comments, I, I don't think it's just rodeo centric. I think it's all oh, social media. I think that sure. people sometimes need to take pause and realize that there's human beings behind it. And maybe, you know, go back to the old adage, if you don't have anything nice to say, just yeah, don't yeah, say yeah. it, right? Like yeah. nobody cares about your negativity or your comment or, yeah. you know, just keep it to yourself. But Unfortunately, that's the day and age that we live in, and and uh, maybe maybe as rodeos evolved and grown and continues to get better, maybe as we have social media platforms for longer, you know, it does as well. You know, people 
become accustomed to it and develop some ethics behind it. Yeah, and, yeah. And maybe, maybe we just see more of the positives and, yeah. than the negatives. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Text for the good. How about that? Yeah. Should that be our slogan? Let's yeah. text for the good. Text for the good. Text and for the good. I think it'll make judging better overall. Not not the comments, but being on TV and all that stuff to to get their I think that quicker it, if, awareness. I think if we give them the tools, like, you know, you're asking, you know, it's another thing there. Like, we go always circling back to it right now, you know, when we're talking about video replays. Like, if we give them the tools. Yeah to you know assist themselves yes. in making a call yes. we give them the time we give them the video we give them that split second to review it then i think it can be a great tool but if we're doing it to come over the top of them yeah and yeah. and critique them and yeah. we're not using it as a tool then uh, and if we use it as a tool i think they'll welcome it what yeah. a, what a great opportunity for a judge to say you know i wasn't quite sure that. let me take a quick quick look i got quick. 10 seconds mm -hmm. I think they'll think uh, what thank you that. very much you for bet. the tools. You bet. But if that. we do it where it's a control room over somewhere else coming over the top saying, Hey, you messed up, you messed up, you messed up, might be tough to get them to sign up for that job. Over absolutely. The no, I, I, and that's a great perspective. I hadn't heard that before, but absolutely. Let's assist them. And every time I watch a video, I learn something as a judge, right? As a pro rodeo official. So, oh, I need to position myself a little bit differently. I need to look at something a little bit differently. And I love it. I love that perspective, BJ, that you put we'll on the table. We'll see where it goes, but I think that that's the, the most palatable approach to it. Because if they have the chance for the replay themselves too, like another, give me another 10 seconds. Yeah. I'll look Absolutely. at it again. Okay. Okay. I'm sure what I'm going to put on right now. Like He did mark him out. He did mark him out. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Or he did get fouled or, yeah. you know, he did hip himself or whatever. Right. Like it just, if you allow them the tools to make those decisions, I think it's, it's a different discussion than coming over the top and overruling them. Yeah. And the best thing I think that's happened in judging in the past 10 years is the back judge. Oh, it's a definite. They, they definite can see positive. if they get fouled. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. usually, yeah, when you're out in the arena, you know, back in the day, you, you got fouled 90% of the time, they didn't see it and you didn't get a re-ride. Now, probably 90% of the time, they see it and you get a re-ride. Okay. So I think that was the... You know, at the big rodeos, they have a back judge, and I think that's been a, a huge step in the right direction. Absolutely, absolutely. Because you want it to be fair. Yeah. You don't want to win if you don't you sure. don't win, you know, sure. if you don't deserve it. Right. Mm. Well, you want to win. <laughs> but, Wait, yeah. I'm just joking. Well, now today, I don't want to win if, ne I, never if they seen don't deserve it. Never seen anybody give it back it, yet, but uh, I'm darn sure you heard of it, ones that should have got it and didn't. You yeah. know, the, the PBR, I love that instant replay because it's, the right guys get it most of the time. Yeah, uh, like we were talking, Dalen was seven nine nine, and they didn't show it back. And I, you know, one hundredth of a second. I want to see. Yeah, I, I yeah. want to see what that was. You know, yeah. and uh, it cost him going to the PBR finals this year. But he probably was what God's will was because he wasn't ready to go get on those kind of bulls coming back that quick. Yeah, yeah. so. Cool. What question haven't I asked you guys that you want to talk about? I don't know, Doug. Seriously, it's been a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> how can they get a hold of you? How do you, how can they get a hold of you? Put on a rodeo in Quebec. Put on a rodeo in Ontario. How can how can our listeners get a hold of you if they're interested in in putting on a rodeo? 
If they're okay. really, really interested, they'll be able to find it. <laughs> yeah. Let him work at it a little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if you can't do, no. Yeah. Sylvan's phone number is. <laughs> all right. I won't go there. So, so the final question, um, and all the folks that listen beyond the shoots, what do you do when you're not putting on rodeos, producing rodeos? What do you do? I mostly just talk to Sam and Sylvan about how to put do, on rodeos. Do you? Yeah, do no, you? No. But you have careers, right? I have families. Uh, you know, I've got two young daughters, beautiful wife that, you know, works extremely hard during rodeo season. Um, like Sylvan alluded, rodeo se- traditional rodeo season in Canada is, a, you know, a little bit shorter a season than in other places in North America. And um, so we have a nice little... Uh, Another job, we we both happen to work for Wrangler as well as territory managers uh, for them in Canada. And uh, so that helps pass the time a little bit as well. Okay. So? I'm a grandpa now, so I, I'm a... I Congratulations. Like <laughs> uh, got the uh, same thing, like we uh, we take care of our animals, like it's, it's every day. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Every day, seven days a week. 365 days a year yeah we have to take care of those horses and uh rest of the time like i'm trying to make the senior pro golf tour yeah we're working on it (laughs) working on it anyway uh but uh yeah i got a few like uh work for wrangler as a territory territory manager as well i do work for montana silversmith as well and uh got a position with the festival western of saint sit plus the season with wild time in the summer i'm i think i what i do during the day i work yeah 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 <laughs> every day every day but the thing the thing about it is is like we love what we do and then we're really grateful for what we're we're 100 percent. rodeo is like without rodeos we wouldn't be here yeah. and that's i'm so grateful to be right in the middle of it in being grateful you're grateful to meet the people you've met yeah. through this business. Yeah. You know, yeah. I said, you're always broke, you're always fighting to survive, all that, but you meet so many good people, especially committee people that just take you in as family. You bet. It, you it's bet. A, it's a wonderful thing. It, I, I think it's a, I couldn't imagine a life that, you know, wasn't this way. I mean, I think it's hard for people to step away from, but yeah, every, all your best friends, all your heroes, uh, all your passions, all your memories, your best memories, they all kind of revolve around this sport. And yeah, uh, yeah, I couldn't think of a better way to live. Well, I'm proud of what you guys are doing. I am so excited for what you're doing. BJ, I met you in 1997, I believe it was, riding high school rodeo in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it might be, maybe even a hair before that, but uh, yeah, it was was a number of years ago with Sam. With Sam, with Sam. And you came down, you worked with Sam. Yep, he he told me not to, but no, he invited me. Actually, he came and did a rodeo in Ontario, and and I was pretty young, and he I, maybe he regrets it, but he said, you know, we got high school rodeo associations down here if you're interested, and uh, come on down, and I'll get you there. So you know that that started uh, that started something I could uh, forever ever grateful for. It's kind of was the the beginnings of all of this, and uh, went on to. He went on to, you know, take me into his home and, you know, lived there with them and, uh, you know, made sure I 
did good in school, and and even when I didn't want to go to college, we were in Virginia, and he's like, "Are you supposed to be in school right now?" I'm like, and at that time, I thought I was rich. I, you know, had a few thousand dollars in the bank account. I must have done good <laughs> somewhere, and and I said, uh, "No, I think I'm just gonna rodeo." And he didn't even talk to me; he just threw my stuff in in a car and drove me from Richmond, Virginia, to uh, Waterloo. Dropped me off and said, "Like, uh, go to school." No, you, no, it was like more blunt than that. Is you have no place to live down there if you don't finish school and oh wow yeah no it was it was very abrupt and uh but yeah very grateful like i said and and, and a thousand other lessons in between so it's uh it was a beginnings for me and it continues to be we still talk you know on a pretty much a daily basis just about everything so. yeah yeah and the connection is apparent and and uh sylvan uh you and i met in uh, 1993 uh, to rodeo school in Boston <laughs> Spa, New York. Yeah. I have proof of that. So proof, I do. Oh. He was right. Yeah. <laughs> he has a great memory. Yeah. Where's the money? We uh, yeah, we, uh, we met there and then traveled. Uh, I thought a couple of years was I, apparently it was just like one year, but it felt like it was like twenty. Absolutely, you slept there probably. Oh, we had so much fun that year. Like yeah, going yeah. everywhere, like so much fun. Who yeah. drove? Uh, Doug did a lot of driving because that was his van. <laughs> it was. Like, it didn't, was. Didn't really like people driving his van. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't think that's not the exactly. way he drives, right? Yeah. I just, I did not really care. Like whatever, Doug. Like, I was a good co-pilot. That I know. He was. Like, he uh, was. We a lot of a lot of stories and a lot of memories. Has anyone ever called Sam like? A good driver that said, "Hey, Sam drove everywhere no, like ever." No, 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 no. We did travel with him a few times, and then, like, we found out pretty quick. Like those guys that were at top, at top of the list there in those standings, they didn't drive. They jumped with like younger kids <laughs> yeah. and slept in the back. That's yeah. why they were winning. Yeah, yeah, they were well, well rested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been here a while now, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah the stories and talk about driving, and we were. Um, Clinton Cessna was driving, and he fell asleep. Oh, drove across the oh. medium into the other side of the road, back across the medium, got where we're supposed to go, and uh, we're Howard and I are in the back, are flopping, flopping around, and Frankie Gautier was in the front seat, and he turns around as we get back and going straight. <gasps> Good morning, boys. You know, it's just like I'm back there panicked, and he's just, oh, good morning, boys. <laughs> Ironically, that was the guy whose uh, car Sylvan got in in high school. So, you know, that's full circle on that story. Is that right? Oh, it's small world. Yeah. Okay. Small, small okay. World. Yeah, we're going to catch up on, on all that another day. There's so much more stories, but. To you guys' points, it's about memories, it's about relationships, it's about who knows you, right? We talked about that at breakfast this morning. What, uh, anything before we say goodbye to our listeners today? If you've never been before, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, it, this rodeo and Festival Western St. Tite is an experience. It's not like no other rodeo. It's, uh, I encourage somebody, whether they're a contestant or a fan of rodeo, to uh, plan a trip and see it and, uh, Watch it on the Wrangler Network. It's uh, it's it's really an event like no other. I think that everyone can agree on that. You bet. Wonderful. And are you going to preview the uh, 60th? I'm sorry. Yeah, the 60th, 11th, 
performance? Are you going to tell us what it is? No. Don't know yet. Don't know yet. <laughs> Don't know yet. You got some ideas. Yeah. There's... Always ideas. Well, this year's a PBR, and then yeah, we'll yeah. see how it goes, because, like, uh, uh, I've got a lot of friends involved in the bull riding industry as well, and... Uh, if it works like I think it's going to work, uh, maybe it'll be a PBR every five years. Okay. And improve okay. just that. Okay. That maybe we'll have a cup here in a couple of years. And okay. We'd like to see Dalen's back here because, like, that's where he started. Like, that's his first big rodeos was probably here when he first started. And I'm sure he, he would want to come back one day. Uh, I'm sure he, you know, if you can come and enjoy it, you know, Colton called me and he was thinking about coming this year and then he didn't but uh it yeah dalen won his first jacket here in the junior bull ride that's right too and uh when he came he got on bronx here and i wasn't here i, I must have been bringing up i don't know what was going on but uh oh you had he, that one had, the first weekend you had an event you hadn't got here that's yet. right yeah yeah and uh yeah i'd love to see him come back up and you know, because his well, uncle Mike was a hero here. His oh, uncle oh, Kenny wow. was a we hero. We got to talk here. about the New York oh, rodeo you, you connection. Talk about a lot of guys from, oh, from my. New York: Mike Swenson, Darrell Lane, Vern Edwards, like, Joe Farley, Joe Farley, uh, Mr. Jackson from Florida that was here for oh Humpy ever. Humpy Jackson. Humpy Jackson. <laughs> like, we can we can have do an. Uh, an episode on those guys like they they built this place actually those cowboys did build this place they, they made fans here. right they made yeah. fans yeah mike swearingen like inducted in the hall of fame on the 50th year yes he was like he and well deserved like i mean mike like he had the crowd in his hand you're talking about brinson mike had it in his yeah. hand yeah like, yeah we were waiting for him to get up his his uh, horse or bulls and do the yankee shuffle yankee, yankee shuffle, shuffle. Yankee absolutely shuffle, yeah. Yeah, absolutely and mike was very well liked but he worked four events so they seen him yeah. almost every event that came yeah. out of the shoot oh there. yeah and absolutely that was part of the draw and yeah yeah he yeah. was the hero yeah of the day <laughs> of the day yeah. and there's yeah. no replay on that time on the video that judged <laughs> <about> it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and yes back in that day back in those I, days like i took advantage of some of the judges loving it and yeah. you know when you were I've always said in this business, when you're meant to win, you win. And when you're not, it doesn't matter what you do, you're not going to win. It, it, when it, sometimes when it's not your turn to win, you still win. Yeah. And you only need to walk into the stadium to understand the New York Rodeo connection, the 20 by 20 banner that's hanging on the end of the, of the arena. Mm -hmm. Mr. Sam Swearington. Do you remember when that, uh, where that picture was taken or when it was drawn and put together. I think it was like in... Uh, Chance Hayes drew it. Yeah, and it was on... Um, That's why they put the picture up. It's on Tequila Sunrise. Tequila yeah, Sunrise. Tequila. And it was like... Uh, tequila Sunrise must have been like 96, 97, I think. I, was, I, I know I was producing the rodeo. When yeah, I was going to say, I know I remember being here because you yeah. tried to buy them right then when you got off right. them that year. Yeah. Yeah. And... That's what I told Doug, 95, 96 yeah, in there right somewhere. There. But yeah, I, the guy, we made a deal to buy him if I won the short go, and then he backed out of it. But it took me about three years to get him, yeah, but I ended up. And then Tequila was introducing the Hall of Fame here. Like, yeah. Oh, he was? Yeah, he celebrated. Was. Okay, okay, I didn't know that. that. That banner hangs in my house off the 
after one for tequila. Okay. Okay. He won like I don't know how many times. On he won the first coat ever given out here. Which was the coat was the best animal of the in each festival event. in each yeah. event. Okay. Yeah. Of the he won the very first one because he's a bareback horse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's one like there's tons of stories, but it is one of the neat things is that the animals are recognized right along with the contestants at this rodeo in all of the events, the Jim Canna events as well. They really celebrate it. Uh, they won uh, saddle pads with their coats, you know, saddle pad for the horses and coach for the contestants last weekend. So, yeah, it's, it is one of those things. That it need to dig into that someday, but. Uh, They've done a great job of that over the years as well. You bet. Yeah, so very coveted coat. Back there, the contractors are harassing each other, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, it's such a fun game, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. all fun. Yeah. But if you don't get it, you, you drop your head, what can I do next year to get you it? You bet. It, uh, the same as winning a golf tournament, really. It is. It is. Thing. I mean, yeah. the first coveted, annual golf coveted. tournament. Right? Coveted, no yeah. one will ever win the first annual again. I get true. it why they didn't invite me now. So ah. I'm like, ah, I was wondering why. Ah. Okay. <laughs> you won now enough in this arena. Sense. You won enough. Makes sense. All makes right. Sense. Okay. So okay. maybe we can make this an annual thing, Doug, like every year you come back and then we dig a little further in oh, I hope so. history. I it's hope so. It's the only so. room we're willing to do podcasts in. Is that what you're saying? Like Exactly. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit for our listeners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> little bit of backstory here how uh, how sam and i ended up here so as you know we started beyond the shoot started that in um in uh, april and the intention was to record new york rodeo history and of course it's evolved from there and you guys in your new york rodeo history everything from the east these days and Sylvain and, and uh, BJ, you've been on my list of people to get on an interview. Your backgrounds, where you come from, uh, as we've already talked a lot about it. And Sam said, I was sitting in New Hampshire. We've been doing some recording in my motorhome in New Hampshire, right? Putting up some podcasts. And Sam said, we need to get, we need to get Sylvain, we need to get BJ. So he says, I'm going to make a call. So, so Sam calls. Go ahead, Sam. Well, yeah, you make the phone call. I'm sorry, Doug. Yeah, <laughs> now you're here. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it's this is the thing that if people need to hear and see. Yeah. And if they're not interested now, I believe it will be. Absolutely. Someday, Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So Sam yeah. makes the call, calls me back, says, you need to call Sylvan. I'm like, what? You need to call Sylvan. So I said, Okay. So I call Sylvan. Wasn't three minutes later, I call Sylvan. Sylvan picks up on the first ring, right? And, and. Starts laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed for about five minutes. He did. He did. <laughs> he, did. He, did. he did. Doug Simcox, I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he says, yes, I'll be on your podcast. However, I don't do it over the phone. You come here. You come here. So that's how it all started. So on the road, we got the shirts. Right? Yeah. We got everything going on. We said we're coming north, right? And next year, you're going to dress us just a little bit better, even than we were this year. I guess, I guess that's what it takes. <laughs> sure. But what great hosts. We have had so much fun. Sam got me up behind the bucket shoots last night. Wasn't supposed to be there. I, I talked to security about that I one. know, <laughs> I know. And, and he did his job, and thank goodness, you know, again to who knows who right but uh, allowed me to stay at, at i'm just impressed 
shooting a video behind the camera, shooting the video for the replay. I just absolutely love it for the live feed. So, so thank you. You've been, you guys have been great hosts and uh, just a hoot. And it is so good to to be here with you guys. And echoing what uh, Sylvan said earlier. You got to come see this rodeo. BJ said it. You got to come see this rodeo. Um, you got 10 opportunities uh, every year. And you just got to come check out the energy and the folks on the street. And if you like poutine, it's it's all over oh, the place. The place. All over the place. So very cool. Cheers. I've appreciated this, guys. You guys have been great hosts. Uh, man, just taking care of absolutely everything. And the VIP treatment. Behind the scenes, right? Beyond the shoots is what we have experienced this run. And we got another rodeo to do tonight. So I am excited. I am excited. Thank you guys for being on the show. Thanks, Thanks Doug. Thanks, Thanks, Sam. I hope that you enjoy this episode of Beyond the Shoots. If you do, please share it with your friends. Help us spread the word. Share it on Facebook. Help someone find it on their phone. Find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, RSS.com. It is on Beyond the, Sh- uh, Beyond the Show, And to make your listening easier, you can find us on Facebook as well. So, so check us out. And we'd like to say thank you to Parasite Systems for their support of our podcast. Parasite Systems is a push-button diagnostic system for pasture animals. Horses, cattle, goats, sheep, chickens, and for your companion animals, your dogs and your cats. Get focused on treatment. Get the data you need to properly treat your animals for the exact infestation that they are carrying. You can find them at ParasiteSystems.com That's site spelled S-I-G-H-T as in C. And remember to use the coupon code BTC023 for 50% off their specimen kits, and yes, they do have testing here in Canada that they have arranged for you guys. And this is Beyond the Shoots. Until next time, this is Doug Simcox, Sam Swearingen, Sylvan Bourgeois, EJ Prince. Thank you for listening.